in one hour, you could probably figure out the solution to your issue or problem, and you will then be able to overcome it and then exponentially grow much faster than if you tried to do it all yourself. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E. You're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I want to introduce to you Ash Patel. He's a full-time commercial real estate investor. He's going to be doing the interview today and a lot of them moving forward. I'm still going to be doing interviews, just not as many. And he is going to ask tough questions while still building rapport. That way it's not awkward. He's a good friend of mine. Join me in welcoming Ash Patel. Hello, Best Ever listeners. This is Ash Patel. And today I am speaking with Lauren Hardy from Orange County, California. She's a real estate investor, a coach, a podcast host, and has 10 years of real estate experience where she has invested in hundreds of properties and developed spec houses. Lauren, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Good. You've got a crazy amount of experience. I want to hear it all. Tell me your background. How'd you get started with real estate? Well, I got started right out of college. I started working in more of the corporate real estate space in commercial. I graduated college the day we went into a recession. 
So it was an interesting time to be in commercial real estate because I was really getting hit. So that's where I got my start. When I was working though, the corporate world, I had my first kid and I learned very quickly that working corporate life and having a child is very, very difficult. So it became my mission to become self-employed any way I possibly could. I really didn't care what I was going to do. And it just so happened that my brother was flipping houses at the time. I think he'd flipped maybe three or four houses in Southern California. So he just made the suggestion, why don't you look into flipping houses? You probably only have to flip a couple of these things a year and you'd make the same amount of money you were making in your corporate job. So that's where it all began. And it really evolved in the last, say, nine years. It's evolved to a whole different thing, but that's where I got my start. So did you go to college for commercial real estate? Yes, sort of. I was a finance major and I did take real estate courses within that major. I went to a college that offered it. Not all the colleges do. So I did take some real estate courses, but yeah, I knew I was going to get into real estate. And you took your brother's advice and started flipping houses during a recession. Yes. Well, let's speed up a little bit. So I graduated during the recession. When I started working corporate real estate, that was mainly in the recession when we were really at the bottom. I didn't start flipping homes until we started coming back up around 2012. Okay. So the timing was perfect for flipping homes. It was perfect. Okay. And how did flipping homes evolve into your next step? And what was that next step? So the first goal I had was I wanted to quit my full-time job. So I started flipping houses on the side while I was working a full-time corporate job. The goal was flip enough houses, make enough money to save up a year's salary so I can quit. It took me a year, but I did it. And after then, it was definitely difficult. I thought it would be easier than it was. I had a new baby. So I had my first daughter already. She's now two and a half. And then I had had a baby during this time. So my whole thought process was I'm going to stay home with my kids and I'm going to flip houses and I'm totally going to be able to do this. It's going to be awesome. Well, it was not, it was very hard to be at home with two little babies and also manage the direct-to-seller marketing that I was doing. I was getting these deals via direct-to-seller marketing. So it was a lot of direct mail, talking to sellers, making offers every day. So I had thought I could juggle all that while the kids were taking naps, but it turns out that kids don't take naps just like when you (laughs) take them. So it was really hard, but it really did evolve. I started out with just sort of flipping a few homes here and there. Slowly, I started pushing my kids into daycare (laughs) as I realized he was getting a little bit unmanageable. But the real turn in my business came around 2016. By the time 2016 hit, we were doing pretty well in our real estate market in California, and there was less and less distressed inventory. So to like put it into perspective, when we were in a recessionary time, like 2009, 2010, 2011, you could go to the courthouse steps and pretty much pick up a distressed property if you really wanted to, if you had the cash and the means to do it. 
you can just stand there, raise your hand and pick one up. By the time 2016 hit, it was very competitive at the courthouse steps. There wasn't very many distressed homes and there was a lot of hungry investors. So it became really difficult to buy houses that had enough of a margin where I could flip it for a profit here in Southern California where I lived. So I had to make something work. I had two options. I could either quit and get a job again, which felt like death. (laughs) Or I could figure out how to make this business work in another market because I noticed I had friends in other areas, other territories that were not having the same issues that I was having. So I made that choice to change and to go virtual. And my first market I chose was Nashville, Tennessee. And the first projects I worked on were spec houses. So I was buying lots and building homes ground up. Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> you could have just bought houses, turnkey, but you decided in Nashville to build spec houses. Help me understand that decision process. Okay. So that was, you know, there's an easier route, right? With real estate, just buy ready-made homes. Okay. So that was the name of the game at the time. That was the way to make money in Nashville. Nashville was going through a development boom So the way it all came about, and I'm telling you, it was the most random story. I just happened to be vacationing in Nashville and I'd had this idea that I need to go to another market because California is getting really hard. So I thought I'm going to drive around and look at some houses that appear to have been flipped. I pulled a list off of list source and I pulled every home that was purchased by investors like LLC corporate owned in the last month. And I got those addresses down, got my rental car, started driving around. But I started noticing something. I was like, wait, this neighborhood is strange. There's these old homes, but then there's homes being knocked down where it said there was a purchase. Now there's no house. And they were in all various stages of construction on these streets all over the place. And I, coming from Southern California, had never seen anything like this before. It was really weird to see old home built in 1920. And then right next to it, you would have two tall, skinny houses right next to it. Brand new. So I kept driving and I found a construction crew outside and I found a guy that appeared to look like the project manager. So I just pulled over and said, Hey, what is going on here? And he's like, do you not know that Nashville is the number one real estate market right now? And This is the hottest neighborhood. So developers are just hungry for lots and they're buying lots and we're building homes as many as we can fit on each lot. So they were maximizing the value of every lot that they could buy. So to me, that seems like it's more competitive than Southern California. How did you score a deal in a super hot market? Okay. At the time, I didn't know that because I thought, how could anything be more competitive than California? And the house prices were still, to be fair, these brand new homes were going 350000 So California, at that time, the average house price was maybe six fifty. dollars okay. But there was still a big discrepancy there. So I'm telling you, it all started on the side of the road. I'm talking to this guy. I'm like, what are you, the general contractor? He's like, yeah, I'm building this house for this investor, but I'm an investor too. I've got projects in the same neighborhood. Let me show you around. So I follow him. I didn't get into his car because that's creepy, but I followed (laughs) him around and he took me to four job sites. And I said, okay, review the numbers with me. You bought the lot for what? How much did it cost to build how many homes? And you built four homes on this lot. I was doing the math and I just, with everyone, I wrote it down on my piece of paper and I was like, oh my gosh, these returns are crazy good. And then the key question I asked was, 
how are you getting these deals? He's like, oh, there's this guy that does this secret marketing stuff and he gets these things under contract. And then this other guy tells me about them. And then we just buy it from that guy. So that was literally how he described it. And I was like, oh, like a wholesaler. (laughs) So then that told me, okay, there's still an opportunity here because he's able to buy them from wholesalers and he's not making it sound like it's that difficult. So I sized the guy up. I said, okay, if he could do it, so can I, right? Awesome. Yeah. So I looked at him and I said, Hey, Phil, find me some lots and I've got money. And that was it. I had California money. I had a ton of private money investors. So he found me some lots just like that from a wholesaler. And then he built them for me. And it was so much easier than say flipping a house from a distance because you have no ways that contractors can lie to you and say, Oh, we didn't see that in our first inspection. The first bid is the first bid. There shouldn't be very many change orders after that when you're doing ground up, unless you didn't accurately price out the fixtures that you were going after. Maybe you decided to go higher end and you start changing your mind, but I didn't do that. He built enough of these things where I said, just make it look like those. And it was actually ridiculously easy. (laughs) So did you get your friends or colleagues or acquaintances to be joint ventures on these deals or did you syndicate it or did you just give them fair return on the deals? I just gave my return. So I got construction loans because in Nashville, they were giving out crazy good construction loans, very low interest rate loans. So I got a construction loan for the bulk of it. And then any remainder, I was just getting my private money lenders. What I would do is I would tie their funds in with a deed of trust and I would offer them hard money rates. So anywhere from maybe 10% annualized return. Got so it. it worked. And how many years did you continue developing in Nashville or are you still doing it? Not doing it anymore. This business, it takes you for a lot of turns. So This sweet spot that I got in was perfect. It was great. But then like anything, the news got out that Nashville was exploding and every Tom, Dick and Harry started building in Nashville. Even people that had zero experience in real estate, if they owned a lot, they're like, I'll just build some homes. They would figure it out how to do it and did it. So it was like the hot thing to do. I got in, made some good money. But what that led me to do was wholesale other lots to other people. So while we were developing these homes, I started doing the direct-to-seller marketing and wholesaled lots, other houses. I worked outside of Nashville, the other areas. There were hedge funds buying there too. So there was just a lot of business to be done at that time. So I worked it for a couple of years, but it then started feeling very similar to California vibes. And I was thinking, okay, it's starting to feel like I just went from one California to another California, except for now this place is really far. (laughs) Yeah. So what was appealing about wholesaling? Why did you go that route? Okay. So I tried wholesaling, I tried flipping and I tried developing. So we've got the three exit strategies. Developing, that was actually pretty easy. Wholesaling, pretty easy. Flipping the house, it opened up a lot of ways that you could get ripped off by contractors. So you're buying an old home. You're not even there to inspect it. So you have your contractor go there. He could lie to you about what it needs right then and there. Or he could undercut and say, to get the job and say, oh no, I could do this for 50,000, whatever. You go, you buy the deal because your contractor verified that price. 
the next thing you know, once you start construction, the contractor starts finding things in the walls and finding things with the foundation and the plumbing. And that just kept happening to me when I kept flipping homes over there. After a while, I just got so over it. I said, okay, I'm either doing ground up or I'm wholesaling these things and that's it. I don't want to flip another house. And do you wholesale in California or everywhere? Now, I wouldn't say everywhere, but I am in some key markets in the Midwest and in the South. And right now I'm not very focused on California just because of where we are in the market. I'm getting better returns on my marketing dollars spent in other markets. But at this time, yeah, I was wholesaling in California as well, wholesaling in Nashville. And then I started trying out different markets. So how does somebody go about wholesaling 2000 miles away from where you live? How do you make that work? You know, it's not that hard. A lot of people have this limiting belief like, oh man, that must be impossible. That must be so difficult because don't the sellers want to meet you in person before they sign a contract? And I thought that as well, but I was fortunate when I was doing business in California to have the experience that I did, which was I was talking to sellers that own properties all the way in LA and I lived in Orange County. So LA, if you know, I don't know if you've ever visited, but it could be two hours in traffic to get to that seller's home because traffic is so bad on the 405 freeway. So I got to a point where I wouldn't really meet the seller or agree to meet with the seller unless they gave me their word that they were going to accept my offer the day I met them. And I would let them know, I'm going to have to drive in traffic. It's going to be two hours. So I really want to make sure you're firm on this price. And if I come with the contract, you're going to sign this. So it started with that. I started honing in on my negotiation skills and learning how to take control of the conversation to where the seller just goes, oh, well, this is just how she does it. And they don't even question it. So years of doing that, I really refined that script. And now I can train my team on that script. I literally have the script down of how you're going to take control and tell them how things go. You just tell them how it goes. This is how we work. I don't get out of my desk until we have an agreement signed. So it turned in from, I have your word to now, I don't leave until you sign the agreement. So I grew up in New Jersey. You're from California. Do you think being that, being on the coast with that coastal mentality helps you deal with people in the Midwest a little easier? People in the Midwest are way nicer than people in California. If you want to have a bad day, go send some direct to seller marketing to a California seller or go start cold calling on a California list and you will want to kill yourself by the end of the day. They are mean. (laughs) We always joke around within my company, my team, like anytime somebody new comes in, at least you never had to talk to California sellers. (laughs) They're so mean. So there are some competitive advantages that I noticed, especially in the South too. California, we're faster. We answer the phone. If a seller leaves us a message, we call them back within an hour or a couple hours. We wouldn't let four days go by. But our competition, slower pace, slower pace culture in the Midwest and in the South So our competition will take a few days to call sellers back. Well, we already locked up the contract by then. So you got the edge. We have the edge. Awesome. So you mentioned a team. Tell me what systems you have in place to help you with this wholesaling. Oh, lots of them. 
So right now, me personally, I'm not very active working in my wholesaling company or in my investment company. I actually have a coaching program and I host a podcast. So I'm pretty split. So I have some key implementers on my team that really help me out. I've gotten really lucky using virtual assistants as well. So I can touch on that if you'd like love to, to hear about, about that. VAs for life. My VA game is strong. I want to hear everything I, about that. Okay. So I do have an implementer. He's a guy that's worked with me for six years. So when he's my right-hand man, I think of him like family. He knows everything about the business. So he really has taken place of myself in my company. So I've been able to know that the business is still running and making money with him watching over it. And I can work on my coaching platform and hosting the podcast and everything. So I'm very, very lucky on that. My investment company, I maybe work five hours a week dedicated to that company. So I have virtual assistants that do a lot of different things for me. I have some that are based in the Philippines and they do everything from checking my email and just flagging that these are the things you need to see and that's it. And letting go of everything else, deleting everything else or answering the questions or if they know the answers. So for our marketing, we do a lot of cold calling and a lot of text message blasting. So she sets up all the campaigns in there and all the phone number stuff. And she checks the voicemails. We have all the voicemails get dumped in one voicemail box from every single campaign we do. So she's checking the voicemails and making sure that they get called back by one of our sales reps. So she's doing all sorts of things behind the scenes, backend stuff that I don't even know how to do anymore. You said, how do you load a campaign in Mojo Dialer? My eyes would glaze over. I wouldn't know what to tell you. I'd say, you ask my virtual assistant how to do it. So we have a lot of support with VAs. I also have VAs that they're Mexico-based, but they did live in the United States at one point. So they have very good English and understand our culture very well. And they're doing a lot of the cold calling and the pre-qualifying with the sellers. So kind of like the front-end acquisition or some people call that role like a lead manager. Okay. How you want to slice and dice it. I actually now came up with the term sales rep. So I call them sales reps. So I work with them. And then I do have a sales rep that's US based here. I have two girls here. So I am trying to lean more to the virtual stuff for obvious reasons. <laughs> so you have an incredibly well-oiled machine. Lauren, what were some of the growing pains or the pain points that got you here? Because you didn't think about doing the VAs early in your wholesaling. Was there a lot of uh, pain that you went through to get to this point where you offloaded these tasks? Or were you very smart about it in the beginning and knew that you're going to need help and brought people in? Honestly, it's such an organic process in, in evolution, really. I would not say I was very smart. I'm not smarter than anybody. I definitely had a lot of growing pains. In fact, I still have growing pains. It's never perfect. I've noticed with a sales team, a company that is based primarily with sales representatives, outbound sales in particular, even inbound, you're managing people. And managing people is very hard because there's a lot of variables and there are things that they can do to manipulate systems to make it look like they're working when they're not. And then you find that you're playing investigator 
to figure out what they're doing and how they did it and why you're not seeing the results that you should be. So it's difficult. I don't want to make it sound like I have it all put together and that it's easy because this is my Achilles heel, managing the sales staff. So that's your bottleneck right now. That's, that's your pain bottleneck. point. Right. So Lauren, you mentioned you had an integrator. That's your right-hand person. Out of curiosity, did you read the book Rocket Fuel? No, but I heard the term integrator from someone else that read Rocket Fuel. Yeah. So the book talks about you being the visionary Mm -hmm. and the visionary cannot be successful without an implementer or integrator. I'd love to hear about this person, what they do for you, how you came about hiring for that position. Okay. I hate the term, but I'm going to say it's going to make me barf, but I hate serial entrepreneur. Yep. I hate that. (laughs) You'll never hear me saying that, but I need to, just for the sake of this podcast, I have multiple businesses now. It wasn't always like this. Two years ago, I only had my investment company. We now have a coaching program. I'm launching some software companies. So I'm now a serial entrepreneur. (laughs) I hate that. So the growing pain where I stand right now is I need multiple integrators So I found the integrator for that sales focused business, like real estate investing, wholesaling, flipping. It really is sales and marketing. It's not this HGTV life that is portrayed in TV. It's sales and marketing. That's it. So I found an integrator who is so thick skinned in sales. It blows me away. He is so emotionless when it comes to rejection. He does not care. That's a talent. It is a talent. talent. It does not ruffle his feathers at all. He can ask sellers for a price reduction. Like it's not a big deal. He doesn't get embarrassed. He can lowball a seller. It doesn't give him that feeling in his stomach that it still gives me. So I found the perfect integrator personality for the sales company. Where I am today is now I'm working on integrators for all the different companies My social media, I found a creative, she's creative, but she's also very good at figuring out Instagram. What's the social platform that I need to be on? What's the trendy thing that I need to be doing right now and dropping videos on right now? I found that girl integrating that side of things. So she is, I call her my creative director for the coaching program and the podcast and everything. So I think you can have multiple integrators. You're not going to just find this one person that can do for the serial entrepreneur, the multiple different businesses. I don't know if you're going to find that one person. If you know them, please let me know. But That's a great point because I always assumed it's the right hand man or woman would be one person, but having multiple is even better. That's a great perspective. And you know what someone recommended to me actually a week ago, because I actually reached out for some help because I was going through growing pains. I'm going, okay, I've got Haley. She's the integrator for social media, coaching, podcast, that side of things. I've got Hi, who's the investment company. There needs to be someone managing them. A VP of ops. A VP of ops, right? Yeah. So I'm thinking like, gosh, this must be a very expensive person that I'm going to have to pay. I'm thinking this is going to be someone that I have to pay six figures to. So I reached out to someone that I know that has this sort of person in mind. I reached out to that girl. I have got contact with her and I said, so tell me everything you do for him. What do you do? And let me share with you my issues right now. These are my big rocks. Help me. And she's like, oh, you need an operations manager. Oh, that's what they're called. Okay. Okay operations manager. What 
does an operations manager costs. And she's like, you could easily find someone who's virtual for probably $20 an hour. Wait, what? (laughs) I was thinking this was a $200 an hour person. She's like, no, you just need somebody who is very operationally minded. They can pull your KPIs. They get you organized. That's it. So I think that's my next hire. Maybe ask me in a year and see if I've done it and tried it out. I would love to. Yeah. You've got an amazing ride that you've been on so far. So tell me more about the coaching. What got you into that? Nothing ever in my life has ever fell in my lap. I've had to go find it. For Nashville, I had to get out of the car and talk to some stranger. The coaching thing was an amazing opportunity that I still to this day pinch myself. So I was wholesaling virtually and I had reached out to my good friend, Brent Daniels. I said, you know, I still haven't been on the wholesaling podcast and you host it. Why have I not been on that thing yet? It's like, you're right. Let's get on the schedule. So Brent's a coach with Wholesaling Inc. And he's got this awesome program called TTP. A lot of you guys probably know or have heard about it. And I got on the podcast and I just talked about all things virtual wholesaling and virtual wholesaling was a needed coaching program within that platform because there were a lot of students in high price markets that were having a very difficult time implementing the same strategies that everybody else was in the nation, but they weren't working in California, New Jersey. I've got clients in New Jersey, New York. Miami, Seattle, high-priced areas, the students were going, help, we need help, we can't be in this market. So they needed a virtual coach. After that podcast launched, one day I got a text message from the owner of the podcast, Wholesaling Inc., his name's Tom Kroll. And of course, I knew who Tom was. I was like shocked to get this text message, almost like fell over. And he's like, hey, we need to talk. I was like, what about? (laughs) And so... He gets on the phone with me and just says, what do you think about coaching virtual? Would you put together a coaching program? And I was like, okay, yeah. He's like, you've got a week to think about it, but that's it. Yes or no, you're in or out. I think I thought about it for 24 hours. and was like, yeah, I'm in. Great idea. So I put a coaching program together. We beta tested it for a while, made sure we had success coach students for free on the platform. And then we actually officially launched the program March of 2020. So we're almost coming up on my year and I'm hosting the podcast as well. So I do one day a week on the podcast. We've got a cool YouTube channel. If you guys want to check out our videos, it's a really, really great group. I'm super honored to be a part of it. That is incredible. So what's next for you? You need Um, another giant challenge to keep this thing going. I'm literally a masochist. Like I, <laughs> I told myself, like, if you cannot say yes to one more thing, you're done. This is it. I've said yes to two more things. There's two more things I said yes to, and I'm done for the rest of this year. Like, I'm not saying I'm not opening up any more businesses. I'm not. <laughs> so there's a couple software companies that we're not releasing just yet. So very excited about one is something I've worked on over a year should be launching very soon. And then there's another one that just came about in their partnership opportunities. So it wasn't me behind the operations, but I'm kind of the creative vision and very visionary. I am the visionary. I am like, I am so good for ideas, but when it comes (laughs) to actually executing them, I'm very good at getting the energy to like, let's execute it. And then like, okay, but you do all the details. Like (laughs) I'm not very detail oriented. 
but I am very much a visionary for sure. So we have to have you back in about a year or probably less to see what else has come your way. Lauren, what's your best ever advice for, I would say real estate people, but your background so varied, just people in general, best ever investing advice, growth advice, real estate advice, you pick. Honestly, seek help. Anytime I ran into an issue or problem, whether it was personal, whether it's business, real estate, house flipping, find someone who's killing it in that area and ask for their help. Ask them a question, whatever it is, offer to pay them. I'll pay you a thousand dollars to talk to me for three hours. I've done that. I've done that this entire time. Every time I needed help, I say, Hey, I'll do whatever I need to do. I'll pay you whatever. Help me solve my problems. Don't try to go in on a loan and just solve your own problems. It is so much easier to just cut the learning curve, go straight to an expert. And in one hour, you could probably figure out the solution to your issue or problem. And you will then be able to overcome it and then exponentially grow much faster than if you tried to do it all yourself. That is great advice. I know that would have helped me a lot. And I'm sure that's going to help a lot of other people out there. Lauren, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay. Awesome. So first, a quick word from our partners. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. All right, Lauren, what's the best ever book you read recently? The Road Less Stupid. By Tell Keith me about Cunningham. that. What, what did you learn from that? Other than Keith Cunningham, it's hilarious. His writing style is very funny and engaging. It's just advice from a CEO of a multi-million dollar company. So it's just advice. How does not be stupid? Stop paying dumb taxes. And it really boils down to one daily practice that anybody and everybody can do. And it's thinking time just taking time to think. It's amazing how many stupid mistakes we make because we didn't think something through. I'm adding that to my list. Awesome. I call them five-figure mistakes. All my five-figure mistakes were because I just didn't take an hour to maybe say, what if this goes wrong? Right. Or what's very likely that could happen, (laughs) you know? So thinking time. Great advice. And Lauren, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Well, recently I gave back to a charity. One of my students, oh man, great guy. He got into wholesaling houses because he wants to make enough money so him and his wife don't have to take from their charity. So they have an amazing charity in India. It's called the India Mission. It's orphanages for children in India. They help clothe, feed the hungry. It's an amazing organization that they put together And they have these children's homes, these poor children in India. Um, But as they run a charity, they have to take a salary. It's not much, but they have to. So he got into wholesaling houses. So they hopefully will not have to take their salaries out. And I couldn't even imagine a better cause, right? So it was really cool to be able to donate a proceed of my profits to his charity this year. That's That's great. Lauren, how did the best ever listeners reach out to you? I am pretty active on my Instagram. If you guys want to follow me, my handle is this mom flips. 
If you guys happen to be interested in the coaching program, check it out at virtualinvestingmastery.com. And I host the podcast, Wholesaling Inc., if you guys want to check me out there. This is an incredible podcast. Did you ever thank your brother for getting you into real estate? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) You've had an amazing ride with the initial fix and flips, the Nashville spec houses, and the wholesaling, the systems you've put in place, the software company. We have to have you back. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great day, Lauren.